This is Rennie Kanaf with ChampionshipBBQ.tv, and you're listening to the Barbecue Central Show. Happy to have you aboard here for the really big barbecue show. Boing. We cook because we have to, and we grill because we want to. Hit me! Fine, how you doing? You have a great show, I'm a big fan. Boing. So what 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 seems to be the problem here? This man looks like he's dead and he's in the in the crackle. Charbono! It's all about the Charbono, dude! Succulent fish! What? He ate two feet before we nursed. Oh listen, Laverne, it's a shit face. I'm shaking like a dog shit peach seed. <laughs> we have top men working on it right now. All right, just like that, we are into the second hour of the Barbecue Central Show. The show that talks about all things barbecue and grilling related as they are happening across the country. Nay, the world. Still to come in the show, as I mentioned on the way out, Jim Clements from Smoked Barbecue Source. That's smokedbbqsource.com. Want to check it out before he comes on in about uh, 13 minutes from now. There's always that one guy out there asking if I'm going to be pimping the watch. I don't have the right watch on. However, somebody had a birthday over the weekend, and he got a brand Nubian watch. How about this one? Yes, the Hamilton Khaki Field Auto. This is a field-style watch, which means that it was uh, based off of uh, Hamilton and Bolova. Back in the day, were major suppliers to the armed forces of the states. And uh, during those war times, Hamilton and Bolivar were making uh, field-style watches. So that's what this particular one uh, is replicating. So you have the Roman numerals there on the outside. You also have 24-hour time just sat underneath that. And there's a double-sunk dial in the middle there. And the second hand has a little red pointer. So you know where that's all at. Um, it's a... Uh, so this is probably as small as I would go on the watch uh, size. It's a 38 millimeter, um, you know, in in case diameter. So uh, on the wrist, it's as, as small as I would go, but it's uh, right there. Uh, so I'll go 38 and up is uh, kind of my wheelhouse. So I mean, it can get too big. Like you know, the one that I have that Sam the cooking guy has that's 51 millimeters. I mean, that can get a little big, but um, so but it's nice. It's got a sapphire crystal. It's got the nice leather band. Uh, and then, of course, you have the uh, what they call the exhibition case back. So um, right here is the rotor that wheels around. It's uh, an automatic watch, which I don't know why they call it automatic, uh, but this thing wheels around and I guess automatically powers the watch. But if you don't wear it or you don't have a watch winder, then it'll just die on you anyway. And uh, it, it does you zero good. So, uh, But it's nice. It's got a nice uh, uh, black dial on it and uh, like the white numerals, the brown straps. So. Very happy with that, and look who made out for his birthday, me. Adding to the collection. Uh, not overly expensive, by the way. I mean, certainly you can get into the tens of hundreds of millions of dollars with watches, depending on who you are and what kind of budget you have, and I'll never have a budget for anything you know like that, but uh, this one is uh, you know under 500 bucks or whatever it is, so it's an automatic watch, so it'll retain value a little bit more, and uh, it's a nice, uh, it's not overly thick, so it should fit under a dress cuss if you wanted to so excited to get it i wore it yesterday and today trying to break in that strap so 
Uh, love it. Very happy with that. So if you have any questions about it or watches in general, happy to take your feedback, questions, and otherwise. Don't forget, you can follow me socially at BBQ Central Show on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and Snapchat slash BBQ Central Show on Facebook and Twitch slash RD Rempe on YouTube for a video feed as well. Don't forget, you can get an ad-free podcast feed if you so desire by becoming a Patreon over at the new Barbecue Central Show Patreon page. Patreon.com slash BBQ Central Show. Also, if you're an Apple Podcast user, you can get the ad-free show by subscribing directly within the app itself. So, one, both, neither, doesn't matter to me. Coming up on the best moments of the Barbecue Central Show in 10 minutes or less this Friday, episode 185, taking you back to July 19th, 2016. And while this time in life might not ring a bell, you might be familiar with a game called Pokemon. Remember that? Uh Pokemon? Back in the summer of 2016, the newest version of Pokemon came out. And it was via the phone. It was an app. People were using their phones in order to play it. People were jumping out in the middle of the streets and getting hit by cars because they weren't paying attention to what they were actually doing. They were more concerned about playing the game. I was also concerned with another issue with that compulsion to play this game might cause. I won't get into that here. You can catch it on the feed Friday and listen to what I was thinking back in 2016. But I distinctly remember doing stories on the show, top of the second hour, saying, hey, people are playing this Pokemon Go on their phones. They're so caught up in the game, they're literally jumping out in traffic and getting hit. There's other things that they weren't getting. But again, we'll wait until Friday to talk about that. Don't forget, you can give John Solberg, executive producer of The Best Moment Show, J-O-N at thebbqcentralshow.com. You can shoot him an email and let him know if there's a particular guest or segment that you would like to hear again that has already been on this show. So go ahead and do that. As Meathead tried to famous Dave me on earlier in the first hour... And I don't know if anyone has been keeping up with the business of live fire these days, but big moves being made by two of the biggest names in the business right now. The first moves being made by pellet cooker juggernaut Traeger this past week. And pretty much right after the show ended on Tuesday, maybe it was Wednesday or just popping into early Thursday, Traeger Grills had just completed and then announced the acquisition of the wireless thermometer company Meter. According to the press release, Meter will go under the Traeger ownership umbrella but remain as a standalone entity. For those of you that already knew about it, many of you had emailed me in hopes that Traeger will be able to remedy the size of the hole that the current Meter setup leaves in your meat. There was no mention of that in the article. And if that's the one, well, I mean, if you're going to ask me to get loose on Meter, uh, a, if anybody over in England that has relations with Meter, tune out. I don't want to hurt your feelings. We've talked long and hard about Meter on the show for years. And while they have been an incredible success at generating crowdfunding revenue to the tunes of perhaps tens of millions of dollars, their shipping of the product was lackluster at best. Took months, if not years. The connectivity, even to date, is 
lackluster more than it isn't. It's a great concept, and there's been plenty of Me Too's that have come after the fact, all struggling with the same issue. What is that? It's not like what you're seeing on a barbecue guru. It's not the same experience that you're getting with a wired unit like a sponsor of the show called Fireboard, where you can hook it up to a Wi-Fi connection in your home, put it on your LAN, and then you can literally go anywhere where there is a cell phone connection, fire up the app, and see exactly what's going on. Anywhere you want to go, miles away, as long as you have a cell phone connection, you can do this. But the meter fails. So perhaps, because Traeger also fancies itself a software company, a technology company, they'll be able to figure that portion out and uh, perhaps gauge of, uh, of needle or gauge of thermometer or something they could work out it as well. But again, it's staying as a standalone company as of now. Then, later in the week, Traeger also announced that they were going to be going out for an IPO. I don't think it's much of a surprise if you listen to the show that that's happening. Derek Riches mentioned at the end of 2020 that he thought Traeger would be looking to sell this year. And while this is not a step to sell, it might be a step in the ultimate selling of the business. So we'll see about that. Traeger is putting an initial marker of $100 for this go-around. Traeger continues to look for that valuation, as I had mentioned to Meathead in the first hour, of $3 billion. I don't know what multipliers they're using. I don't know if they're just throwing out the number in hopes that some dope is going to bite on it, but $3 billion is huge. I think three or four times their gross revenues doesn't put you at $3 billion. That's a big number. I mean, that's approaching the revenues that the Barbecue Central show is making. <laughs> You do that in the live fire industry. Also, how about this for breaking news? A Barbecue Central Show exclusive news update. That's right. Greg Rampey reporting for the breaking news desk here in Cleveland, Ohio. Breaking all of the live fire news that needs to be broken whenever it's breaking across the land, nay, the world. Not to be outdone by Traeger getting ready for their IPO run. Weber Grills has also filed to go on the stock exchange for public trading as well. They also are looking to raise around $100 million in that initial run. And there has been no talk of amount of shares that will be made available. Uh, Traeger did not mention the amount of uh, shares being made available as either. Nor did they mention what the opening investment might be for those interested in buying. So... If you're one of those stock guys or gals that's into buying stuff or IPOs or insider trading or anything like that, keep an eye out. Austin Parsons saying this, and truer words cannot be spoken, not breaking. Meathead broke it in the last hour. Austin, how dare you? Meathead famous daved me. That's a saying, okay? If somebody scoops you, you got famous Daved. Dan's right. That's broke news. You're right. It was famous Daved earlier in the show by one meathead. So Traeger's out for IPO. Weber's out for IPO. And Traeger bought Meter. Major things going on. Before we get to Joe Clements. From Smoked Barbecue Source, I'll talk to you quickly about Primo Cookers. That's right. What do we know about ceramic cookers? Well, we love them, of course. 
We love the ceramics. We love the fuel efficiency. We love the way they cook. We love the heat that they hold, all that fun stuff. Primo is a little bit different than the rest because their shape is different. It's oval. It's not round. Now they do have a round cooker if you want one. But most of them are oval. So get out of your mind. Think about an oval. Think about how it's going to give you true two-zone cooking when you use it. So you can bank the coals all the way over on the right side, for instance. You can leave the left side open. You can put the meat over the left side where there's no coals. You can do a reverse sear. And then when you're ready to rock and roll, open up all the chimneys or all the air damps on the bottom and on the top. Get it rocking and rolling. You can sear it on the coal side. True two-zone cooking right there. More than 60 cooking configurations, if you can believe it, made right here in the States. Precision-controlled manufacturing, highest quality ceramics, and any ceramic cooker available on the market. New lift hinge reduces force to lift the grill by 70%. You know that. Precision-controlled top and bottom air. Setting it to a number instead of a thickness or a pencil width. Upgrade kits available. You can upgrade your existing Primo. You don't have to buy the new ones only. Visit your local dealer. See all the improvements for yourself. Primogrill.com. You can find a dealer near you. You can also visit them on Instagram at Primo Ceramic Grill or on the Facebooks at Primo Ceramic Grills. Joe Clements is ready to go. Stick around. Be right back. You're listening to the number one most downloaded barbecue and grilling podcast anywhere. The Barbecue Central Show. Stern, Jim Rome, Dan Patrick, and Greg Rampey. The Mountain Rushmore of talk show entertainment. Now, let's get back to the Barbecue Central Show. This portion of the show being brought to you by Pit Barrel Cooker, your most unbelievable outdoor cooking and grilling device on the planet, currently available in two sizes with a host of accessories to choose from. Whether you're a beginner or a professional, definitely a cooker you want to add to the arsenal. Visit pitbarrelcooker.com. Tell them the Barbecue Central Show sent you while you're there. Make sure you check out the end grain cutting boards as well. They are absolutely beautiful, easy to maintain, and a conversation piece as they sit down on your table or cabinet or wherever you're going to put them. That's pitbarrelcooker.com. All right, so let's go ahead and keep... With the uh, barbecue website stuff, my first guest in the second hour is created and runs one of the most popular barbecue and grilling websites on the internet. If you're looking for somewhere to go to get reviews on all kinds of cookers, information on cooking styles, recipes, plus a number of other ancillary items to boot, and all being done in an unbiased and not sponsored environment, then you might want to go pay a visit to a place called smokedbbqsource.com. We run over to the hotline. And welcome in, first-timer to the show and creator of Smoked Barbecue Source, Joe Clements. Hey, Joe. Hey, Greg. Thanks for having me on the podcast. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, very excited to talk to you here. So before we get talking about the website and such, let's go ahead and get a little quick background about you. Um, obviously, uh, one would surmise probably not from the States, so uh, where you grew up and where you're currently headquartered now. Yeah, of course. So um, obviously, as you as you mentioned, um, the voice gives it away. I'm not from the US, um, so your audience is going to have to put up with my New Zealand accent or Kiwi accent, as we would say in New Zealand. Um, and I'm also battling a bit of a cold, so <laughs> that might make things double hard to understand. So uh, I'm sure I'm sure people will, will bear with me though. You grew um, you grew up in so yeah. New Zealand. Um, are you still there? Yeah. 
Uh, yeah, exactly. Grew up in Auckland, New Zealand, and then actually moved over to Australia about five years ago. So um, I've been living in Melbourne, Australia. What what causes you to move from New Zealand to Australia? Yeah, um, it's um, very similar countries. So uh, it was not quite a nice, easy move, only a couple of hours away. And um, just we decided we wanted a bit of a change of scenery. And luckily for us, the um, barbecue scene in Australia was sort of just starting to take off in a serious way five or so years ago. So it was quite lucky timing. How long have right you? When I was just starting to get it. How long have you been over there? I've been living here about five years. I think 2016 was when we made our move. Joe Clemens joining me here on the show. Uh, Joe, when you think back to a young Joe Clemens growing up, um, what kind of a culinary household were you uh, a part of? Were you somewhere where mom and dad were like taking you to the kitchen or maybe uh, you know a, a grandma or grandpa sharing secret recipes or was it just kind of fend for yourself? Well, it was not the most exciting culinary experience growing up, to be honest. So I had... Um, it was four, four brothers and sisters, plus mum and dad. Um, all of us were pretty fussy eaters, and including my dad, who was a vegetarian. Um, so meat options were pretty limited. Um, and it was basically a treat, or maybe if you went to a, a barbecue, which is what we call <laughs> what we call it in New Zealand, um, uh, you'd get a bit of steak or a bit of chicken every every month or so. So it was always an exciting experience getting to eat meat. Uh, and then basically the first thing I did after moving out of home was um, went and bought the cheapest secondhand gas grill I could find and um, started cooking meat for myself every night. What was like the normal food situation for you guys growing up? Ooh, um, I'll try my memory now. Probably um, pasta with some tinned tin tuna mixed through it, um, lots of vegetables, stews, and um, things of that nature. I don't have the most positive memories of any particular dishes. Um, grilled grilled, uh, uh, grilled rice with um, cheese on the top. That was the, that was the favorite growing up. So you get through Very simple stuff. You get through high school, um, you go to college, or I don't know, do they call it like university out there? So you, some kind of like a secondary education? Yeah, exactly. University here. What are you uh, studying there? Um, I ended up doing a degree in politics, which is not the most useful degree, I can tell you now. Did you fancy yourself to be a high school? T- Usually when I hear somebody being a poli-sci major here in the States, uh, the initial yeah. thought is that they're going to go back to high school or maybe get a master's degree and teach in college or something along these lines. But is that, did you initially think you wanted to be a teacher of some sort? No, it was just something I was quite um, enjoyed doing at school and that was the easiest subject to do. And I had no other ideas of what I wanted to do. So um, kind of just went down the path of least resistance. You didn't fancy yourself to be a politician at some point? <laughs> um, no, I don't think so. Uh, before you started the website, how did you personally define what barbecue and grilling was? And were those terms interchangeable to you? 
Yeah, so back in, in New Zealand and Australia, barbecue is, it means something quite different. It generally is um, what you'd call in America grilling is what we call barbecue. So there's a, obviously a famous saying in Australia, throw some shrimp on the barbie, <laughs> which, um, yeah, just refers to gas grill. And that was pretty much the experience growing up um, was all gas grills. No one really cooked on charcoal. If anyone, anyone had a smoker, it was pretty much exclusively just smoked fish. You know, if you, you'd go out on the boat and then um, you'd smoke the fish you caught, but nothing, nothing sort of similar to low and slow at all. Um, so it's just a lot of grilled, grilled sausages, grilled chicken, that sort of thing. So when was the first time that you were exposed to what we would call traditional Southern style barbecue or low and slow barbecue? Um, it would have been, um, cook, uh, eating it at a rest- restaurants in Australia, um, which were getting a little bit more popular when I moved over here. So you'd get a lot of, um, sort of Texas style barbecue, a lot of, um, smoked brisket, that sort of thing. When did you start thinking about smoked barbecue sauce? What's the impetus for even going down that road? Yeah, so I inherited an old um, an old Weber kettle from uh, my father-in-law, and I had didn't really have any idea what to do with it. I'd just been using um, a gas grill up until then. Um, so I started searching around on the internet and um, trying to learning some basic techniques on you know how to set up a two-zone system and um, you know, different ways of cooking on a, on a, on a charcoal grill. And at the same time, I, for work, I was doing a lot of web design work, working for client, like clients, small businesses, um, helping them set up their websites and do basic marketing and things like that. So I was looking for kind of a project to have on the side where I could learn a bit of web, web design and, um, also something that I was interested in and being that I was sort of just getting into this world of barbecue and I found everything I was learning so fascinating. I set up the site. I think I spent about 10 minutes thinking about a name <laughs> and tried to find something that was available and set up the site. And for those first few months, it was just um, by writing about kind of what I was learning at the time, which was um, sort of piecing things together from forums and Facebook groups and um, there was a lot less information on the internet back even back in 2016 it was a lot more primitive so you would had obviously um, your previous guest Meathead his site's been around for a while so his site was a a lot of help and um, yeah just a lot of research and forums and sort of piecing things together and then typing up what I was learning on the website and just posting it and basically crickets (laughs) in terms of engagement or readers to start with. Would you say that that initial version of smoked BBQ source was more of a personal blog of experience before it grew into how you see it today? Yeah, definitely. I never had any idea of uh, turning it into a, um, an actual business or, um, you know, bringing other people on board, which we've since done. It was really just, um, me learning, um, both learning barbecue, but also learning a bit about, you know, how to operate a website and 
um, you know, writing content and what kind of content do people like and uh, how to structure recipes and articles and things like that. So I was teaching a few different skills while also something I enjoy doing. So it was easy to come home from work and um, instead of watching TV, I'd fire up the website and crank out an article or a recipe. Joe Clemens joining me here on the show from Smoked Barbecue Source. That's smokedbbqsource.com if you want to check it out while we're chatting it up here. So uh, you had mentioned you had taken uh, or you had visited amazingribs.com, maybe some of the other barbecue and grilling websites, and that as you're making your initial posts, you're not really seeing a lot of traction, not a lot of uh, engagement from readers or anything like this. Where do you figure you need to go from here then? Was it a point where you're like, hey, nobody really gives a shit, I'm just going to tank? Or did you decide Mm -hmm. that you need to figure out some other way to engage in order to get traffic. Yeah. Well, what happened was I think I had worked away at it for maybe six months. And during that time I discovered something which is called the Amazon, um, I think it's the Amazon associates program, which basically means if you have a website, you can, and you're talking about products that are sold on Amazon, you can put a link to the Amazon product. And if someone happens to, um, click the link and buy, I think it's within 24 hours, then you get um, a little percentage of whatever they bought. And by that point, I think I'd, I hadn't actually been working on the website for a few months. I'd you know, gotten busy with work or something had come up. And I logged into my Amazon account and I saw that I'd made $2, <laughs> two US dollars too. So that's even, even more exciting. Um, and I can't even rem- can't remember what someone bought, but it must have been a, um, a spatula or uh, some tongs or something, something small like that. But uh, just earning that two dollars kind of got me interested and excited about it again. And um, I got I got more into it, especially the review side of things. So um, I did a did a review of the Smoky Mountain, which is what I would. The Weber Smoky Mountain, which is what I'd been learning on, um, and that review started to gain traction. With um, you know, met more you could see the traffic number on that going up, and it started generating a few sales a month. So I think on the sec- the month after that, it, the website made about twenty dollars, and then by the end of the year, it was kind of making a thousand dollars a month. And at that point, I sort of realised this is uh, something real and i should actually put more effort into it and that's kind of when we start when i started to take it a bit more seriously and start working on um growing it into into what it is today so when that traction starts to happen as you said you're starting to see some revenue growth you're able to obviously correlate the posts that are doing well and and how that's trending how that's helping you gain some money so are you now trying to focus your efforts on content that is going to be creating interest in order to have the click throughs in order to sell like what's mm. the, is, is the let me ask a better question is the mindset in the beginning at least to produce content and oh if you click through and i get a percentage hey great but it's not really something i'm looking for or are you trying to specifically generate content that is going to interest somebody to click the link so you can maximize revenue yeah yeah, I think initially, um, as when I started seeing some money come in, I kind of got quite excited and started going down that that route. But I quickly realized that if that was the only thing I was doing, um, 
it wouldn't be in the long-term interests of the website um, because if everything's just sort of focused on products and you know click here buy now um it's gonna put people off they're probably not going to trust what you say and in the long term you're going to hurt yourself so i always made an effort to have a good mix of content so lots of informational stuff um, where there's no product mentioned and then when we do mention products just keeping it natural like for example you know on this recipe here's the rub i used there's a link to it if you want to check it out but um, here's also a link to a free recipe that you can um, make if that's what you want to do. All right. So how has the site changed as we see it today from when you first started really, you know, gearing up and seeing that traffic come in? Yeah, we've gone through quite an evolution. So probably the biggest change now is just that it's, it's not just sort of me and um, what I'm cooking anymore. So as the site's grown and, and traffic has increased and revenues started coming in, I've been able to bring on a team of writers and editors to fix all my spelling mistakes. Um, and so now it's, um, as you said, I think we're one of the largest sites in terms of Google traffic anyway. Um, and that's definitely due to just a focus on putting out a lot of good quality content that people like reading. Um, and that's, we've been able to do that by bringing on, um, I think we've got three other people working on recipes, either um, half part-time or full-time. And um, so now, yeah, we've got some great recipe contribu contributors to the website, and we've got a good balance of content in terms of um, the reviews that we do, the recipes that we do, and the guides that we do. So you don't just come to us for checking out a grill that you're interested in buying you can also like get tips and um, new recipes um, probably also one of the things that helped um, get the site up to that next level was uh, a lot of barbecue brands sort of noticed us coming up in the rankings and so we built a lot of connections with different brands like um, sort of pit boss traeger um, fireboard all those uh, Thermoworks is, a, is a, big one, a big supporter of ours, um, so they've been very helpful with sourcing us products to review and you know giving us early looks at new releases, um, so that's really helped um, build out all the, that review content on the website. So as you're bringing on more people to kind of scale out the way the website's going to operate because you're getting the traffic, you're getting interest, you're getting products from some of the bigger suppliers out there. Are the people that are working for you what we call here contractors or 1099 or are they like direct W-2 style employees? Yeah. So to start with, I literally just, I had a small email list of um, people who um, had signed up to get email newsletters from the website. And I just reached out to the list and said, who wants to get free products? You just write a review and, um, you know, share, test, test it out write up a review and we'll post it on the website. And so it was basically just a product in return for a review. And I think about 700 people volunteered. It turns out people like getting free barbecues and grills. Yeah. Um, so we whittled that down to a group of about five people. And we've still got one, one of those original five is, um, still doing reviews on the website 
but we have started paying him now. Um, and now I'd say they're all um, freelancers in that they mostly have a day job or their own barbecue-related um, business that they're working on, and then they work for us generally on a project basis. So if they're doing, they'll do a couple of recipes a month, a week or a month, or a one review every month. Um, we're always looking for product reviewers because that's the most time-consuming um, part of the job because obviously you can't just, it's not like a phone where you can just turn it on and play with it for an hour and then write a review. <laughs> you actually have to, you know, do a, do a pulled pork and grill some steaks. And um, unless you have a huge family, generally you have to break that up over a, a few weeks. So if a new uh, smoker or grill comes out, that's generally will take us at least a month to get that review done. So um, if any of your listeners uh, fancy uh, getting into the review writing game, uh, there's a, a jobs page on the bottom of the website they can check out if they're interested. Joe, let me ask you, um, you know, Meathead, really makes it a point when he talks about AmazingRibs.com. Obviously, they're well-known for uh, their reviewer. They got uh, Max Good, who I think was the first full-time employee doing that job um, anywhere. And he's very staunch. You can see it in their advertising and uh, the rules, regulations of we're not going to do junkets. You're not going to pay us. You can send it, uh, send a cooker to us. We'll review it honestly. You know Whether you like it or not, mm. you know, it doesn't matter. But we're going to remain unbiased and we're not going to be greased in any way and they've put together a a list of this is how we're going to review each cooker depending on you know what kind of a style it is Uh, similar for you are you um not doing junkets uh you're not uh, doing any quid pro quo or anything like this Mm. yeah uh, i mean to be honest when we started we didn't really think about that side of things at all. Um, I think Meathead comes from a journalistic background, if I'm not mistaken. So he obviously understood the whole, um, you know, separation of the money side and the journalism side a lot better. So since growing big, uh, we've made an effort to actually learn about that. And now we do have a sort of a guideline um, in place for our reviews. So um, we'd never receive... um, money or any kind of gifts or anything for doing reviews the um only thing that we get from the companies is um uh the product for free which because of my location um i no one wants to ship a heavy (laughs) smoker to australia so i can't take advantage of that little perk so the, the grills and the items all go to our product testers in the states and so they they do get to keep that. That's a benefit for them, but um, there's they don't get any benefit if the review does well or, or poorly or if people buy the product. So that doesn't really affect the reviews that they do. Um, and then just the, the exactly the same model as Amazing Ribs. If we post a review, generally um, the the company will have a. Uh, partnership program so if you want to buy if we do a review of a smoker and you want to buy that smoker and if you click the link on our website then we'll earn a commission on that um and that's a fairly standard um standard model there is some sort of um shady elements to the business where companies will 
pay to have a product reviewed more favorably or if you're recommending different products really pay you to move uh move a product up the list um but we've never um taken part of that it's just i think it's short-sighted and um people you, you can get in trouble especially you know one company doesn't like that they've been moved down and they decide to sue you so um we're not we're not at that um three billion dollar valuation where we can afford a team of lawyers so we just prefer to keep it simple and um uh, try and play by keep it above board joe from a traffic standpoint where do you see most of your visitors coming from is it equally divided across the globe are they mostly from the states are they mostly australian new zealand like your neck of the woods or what yeah it's a i'd say it's 85 percent from the u.s so um by far the the bulk from the u.s which I, I that's basically been like that ever since i started um so i quickly had to learn how to use american spelling um which is a few subtle differences from the spelling that we use in New Zealand and Australia. Um, and then after that, we've got um, Canada coming in second and then US, UK and Australia are all um, bringing, bringing in the rear with a very small number coming in. Are you a, would you call yourself a tech guy? Um, do you have like secret bunkers and uh, filled with servers somewhere stashed away secretly or like is all your website on some kind of like a host gator or a GoDaddy or something like that, or do you you own that? Um, it's on a server that I pay monthly a monthly fee for. Um, I'm slightly technical, but these days I try to just um, pay someone who knows what they're doing. I'm sort of technical enough to screw it up. Um, so we. We pay for high quality hosting. Um, I want the, the when people go on the website, I want it to be fast, as fast as possible. So we try and pay for the, the best hosting. Um, and it's one of the good things about running a, running websites is that there's actually, you know, you can have a thousand people a month, or you can go all the way up to a million people a month, which is about what we're sitting on now. And it's very easy to um, scale up and down. During the article that Derek wrote, um, Meathead obviously had taken some exception to not being number one. Uh, Meathead always taking exception if he's not listed number one. He's a very competitive guy, and he's always very ready to whip out this uh, Google Analytics thing. Now, I have a website, but I mean, I don't give a shit about uh, any type of traffic to mine because I'm a show that is more based on downloads, so I want to know about that, and that's how I sell my sponsorship, blah, blah, blah. But I don't really know too much about Google Analytics and how private or, or not private that is. Is is that like something that you just give people access to if they want to know stuff, or like uh, in in your dealings with Google Analytics and letting people behind the wall? Is that a pretty mm. slim percentage of people that get to see all that, or are you pretty free wielding with it? Um, I don't really have any reason to share it with most people. So it's me and a couple of people on our team who have access, but there's not really any secrets in there. It's just no one's asking <laughs> to see it, I guess. Um, we've never 
working at a published um, stats uh, on the website or anything like that. Um, I think I might have one line on the site somewhere where I say how many people a year have visited the site, um, but that's about it. Nobody's asking you like a Traeger or whatever says, hey, we're going to send you this grill and you know we just want to vet how many people you're showing. Can you show us a, a section or something along these lines? Mm, no, generally people, the generally companies have reached out to us because they've seen us on Google and they can see, you know, that we're showing in the first position or the second position. So they know they want to be on the website. Um, in the few instances where there's a product that we've really loved and we want to, so we'll approach um, a company to see if they're interested in um, working together. And then in that case, we'd, give them a high level kind of overview. This is roughly how many visitors we're getting uh, a month or sometimes they're not actually interested because yeah, they might be, for example, um, if we're doing something with related to pizza ovens, um, you know, people care about how many, how much traffic we're getting in the pizza oven um, topic, not in the, the whole barbecue topic. So um, that, that, that high level numbers only, only relevant to some people. And then all of our advertising is taken care of through a third party um, that just uh, is similar to um, the setup on Amazing Ribs. It's just um, we don't pick and choose our advertisers. It's um, very standard um, digital advertising setup. So you got, a, let's say, a million visitors coming in a month at this point. There's 12 months in a year. So you're, you know, let's say 12 million plus visitors or so depending on you know maybe last year was more because of the pandemic and everybody's just laying around doing nothing so they got a lot more time to spend on the internet and visit a whole bunch of places that they would normalize or they wouldn't have uh, normally otherwise i mean what what kind of a like a gross revenue number is your site pulling down over the course of a year uh, asking the hard-hitting questions there <laughs> um so I can say I can actually tell. Normally, I wouldn't be able to tell you because I hate doing the accounting side of things. But um, I just had my yearly uh, accounting meeting last week, which uh, financial year ends at a different time in Australia. So uh, last year, which was a massive outlier year with COVID, the site pulled in just under a million dollars total. So um, we were obviously very happy with that because it's a, quite a small team and still a small project compared to some of the big big dogs in the barbecue industry does it uh does it also make you tighten up a little bit knowing that at, at some point this year things will continue to normalize and you're worried that that traffic might bump down <laughs> it's always good to hit the high water mark but then you've set yeah. a high water mark that uh, has become all of a sudden the thing that you should be doing every year yeah, it's it's very true, and it's funny because in um, uh, when was it March uh, last year we were all getting ready to panic and um, trying to work out how we'd keep the website running <laughs> because we hadn't we weren't smart enough to realize that everyone was going to stay um, glued to their computer and our traffic numbers would triple in a few months. <laughs> so now we're on the other side of it. Um, we we've got the same concerns, but I try and take a long term view. Um, and I think what we're seeing with COVID is a lot of people, it's been more of a, um, a lifestyle change and, 
and I think it's forced a lot. It's made a lot of people read and, and pick up hobbies. Just because you can um, go to again, I don't think everyone's going to suddenly stop cooking at home and use new gear they bought. Um, and on the flip side, you know, people can now have back to their homes and they're going to need recipes and um, guides for that. So, um, yeah, we're a little, a little worried that there will be a, a drop-off, but um, I think in the, in the long term, um, you know, barbecue is just growing ev- around the world. Um, more, especially young people are getting into it. Um, so we're, we're confident in the long term it's going to continue to grow. Joe Clemens joining me here on the show from Smoke to Barbecue Source. Let me ask you one more business question here, Joe, and then uh, we'll see what you have planned for the rest of the year, and I'll cut you loose. Um, obviously, you have a, a big live fire website. Uh, you're a younger guy. I assume you don't have plans to bail out or dump the website here in the next you know year or two. So let's talk acquisitions. One of my favorite things. I'm a business guy during the day, and I uh, love to talk business uh, with people. My first hour guest meet to sell your podcast. Uh, no, 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 no. I mean, everything's for sale, <laughs> of course. I am a sales guy, so uh, my my um, my pull to material items and things is uh, very short. So you know, if if you're interested, we can always have a negotiation about things. But that's not what I was talking about. My first hour guest, Meathead, as we've referenced him a couple different times through this interview, has been very public about him having his website on the market. In fact, one of my embedded correspondents is actually the official broker for uh, that part of the sales side of the business. So could you see Smoked Barbecue Source acquiring Amazing Ribs at some point if he's actively trying to sell it? I mean, to me, it seems like a match made in heaven. You easily become the most dominant force on the face of the earth, perhaps in history, as it comes to barbecue and grilling related websites. What do you think about that? Yeah, it's definitely an interesting idea. Um, I think, obviously, Meathead's built an amazing website, and it's still, um, besides any uh, any lists your uh, your guests have created, notwithstanding, I'd still have to rank it um, right up at the top in my book uh, in terms of quality. And um, I would I wouldn't I wouldn't uh, say no to anything at this stage. Um, I'd say his site's probably worth enough to put it out of my budget <laughs> for the time being, at least. Um, but no, I wouldn't wouldn't say no to anything. But the the if we're just sort of thinking out loud about the business side of things, um, I, my one concern would be it, there's quite a lot of overlap in terms. We cover the same topics already, and we write. You know, there's only so many different. Um, ways to write about barbecue so what we would be more interested in is bringing on board some more complementary businesses so um we've really been focusing pretty hard over the last few years on just doing content really well so the reviews the guides and the um recipes and it's been our focus and dedication but i can definitely see getting some um, products on board, whether that's on the rubs and seasonings side of things or um, a lot of different accessories that would be really good complements for the website. So we might look to get into that e-commerce side of things at one point. Um, and then there's also the 
um, paid barbecue education side of things, which is uh, a niche I'm really interested in and excited about, which we saw, especially in the last year, a lot of people who obviously couldn't go to those in-person barbecue classes. So we've seen new people, uh, new businesses springing up, teaching teaching barbecue online. Um, and that's that's an area I'm very interested in and could see a potential acquisition in the future. Joe Clements joining us here on the show. Joe, before I let you go, anything you'd like to promote that might be coming out on the site soon or things that you have in the hopper that you're excited about getting through the review process to get out to the public? Yeah, so um, we've got a lot of reviews in the pipelines right now. Um, one thing that I'm excited for is we've got the um, Gen 2 smoke fire from Weber uh, that just arrived yesterday with one of our um, product reviewers. So I'm really keen to get a good look at that and see if um, they've fixed all the issues that we had with the first one, um, which I'm sure you've documented on your show, uh, some of the disappointments around that product. Um, so that's something I'm quite excited about. Um, as far as plugging, um, we don't really have any products. Go check out the website, um, check out the recipes, and there's a newsletter you can sign up to. And we'll, we, I'm a bit lazy, <laughs> but I try and send out a, a new recipe every every week or so, and then we'll do a roundup, kind of the latest and greatest from the site once a month or so. And uh, lastly, there is a YouTube channel that's very uh, fresh at the moment, but we're just getting started um, putting out a bunch more, um, bunch more video content, which is a learning curve, but it's exciting. And then just I'd finish up by saying uh, if anyone's interested in, um, you know, getting into recipes or they fancy themselves a bit of a, a product tester, they like to tinker and they have a camera, um, Go check out the um, job section at the bottom of the website. We're always hiring um, people who like want to get into that content creation side of things. It's a great way to um, get get some free product, make a bit of extra money, and if you're actually serious about it, there, we do have um, opportunities available for people to get more full time work as well. So um, come check us out. Smokedbbqsource.com is the website. Check it out, as Joe said. It is Joe Clements, the creator of the website, Smoke Barbecue Source. Joe, really appreciate uh, all the time tonight. I know I kept you long, but very interesting, engaging, and uh, uh, great to you know pull back the curtain and let everybody see what's happening. And uh, you know, I certainly appreciate your uh, candor and uh, openness. So hopefully, we can do it again soon. Yeah, thanks, Greg. Looking forward to coming back on. Sorry. All right, there he is, Joe Clements, right there, smoked bbqsource.com go check it out if you haven't visited yet and see what's happening over there and as Joe said if you're a reviewer or you fancy yourself a 2B reviewer here's a way you can cut your teeth get free product nothing better than free stuff right absolutely and I appreciate Joe hanging through those questions a lot of people would have told me to go fuck myself but Joe's through I Look, I think people understand the vernacular that I'm using. I didn't ask Joe how much money he had in his bank. I didn't ask what the net profit is. <laughs> That's a little unnerving. That will get you thrown out of place. Gross profit or uh, gross revenue is, you know, in my estimation, kind of a BS number anyway. I can tell you what my gross 
revenue is of the show, but you don't know what I'm actually putting in the bank. There's plenty of expenses here. Got a $9 internet bill I have to cover every month. All that money's going to the internet. All right, let me talk to you quickly about pits and spits. Joe, I'm not asking him how much is in the bank. I can't. I'm only asking Sam that. Since 1983, Pits and Spits has been handcrafting smokers and grills in Houston, Texas. In that time, Pits and Spits has established itself as one of the premier brands in high-quality offset smokers. And more importantly, pellet cookers. Pits and Spits, setting itself apart by using heavy 7 and 10 gauge stainless steel in every cooker. Fully welded construction that you can feel when you use the unit. And a 304 stainless roll top lid and front shelf on every single smoker. Why does it matter? Well, by using high-quality materials, pit and spit smokers reach and maintain temperatures, uh, temperatures or chures, allowing you to worry more about the meat than the heat. By providing a fully welded smoker, you don't have to worry about grease and smoke leaking out of the barrel, that grill rattling apart as you move it through the backyard. And by using 304 stainless steel, you're getting an heirloom-quality product that you can pass down to your kids if you want to. Now, where some companies are focusing on low-cost-only, pit and spit focuses on craftsmanship, and using high-quality materials. Are there cheaper ways to make these things? Yes. But they don't like tack welds, cheap stainless, electronics that you can't trust. Having in-house manufacturing gives them control over the design and standards. Not something you find with stuff brought in from overseas. Also, their steel suppliers give you the best material. So they'll be used in some of the harshest environments around, so they're going to perform in any and all conditions. And their controllers made right here in the States. Unimpeded transparency into the program, something you don't get anywhere else. Pits and Spits has a dealer network across the country. If there isn't one close to you, give them a call. Call Coy at the shop, 844-650-6250. That's six, uh, I'm sorry, 844-650-6250. Whether you're a backyard grill master or a competition team looking to smoke 50 racks of ribs, Pits and Spits has a product for you. Check them out online, pitsandspits.com, all spelled out. Or you can see their pits in the wild across social media. It's their handle at Pits and Spits. Once again, all spelled out. I believe we will come back to wrap the show right after this. Stick around. We'll be right back. Celebrating over 10 years of prolific and unparalleled live fire barbecue and grilling talk. And yes, it's still being done from Cleveland, Ohio. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Show. This portion is being brought to you by Smithfield. Through the grilling season, head to smithfield.com for tips and tricks from Chris Lilly. By the way, we wish Chris Lilly a happy birthday, his birthday today. Aside from my Willis, of course. Darren Worth, Ernest Cervantes, Childs Cridland, also giving you recipes and tips for other things. If you're a committed cook, go to smokingwithsmithfield.com. Report your first place finishes in ribs and pork. So you can get extra dividends at smokingwithsmithfield.com. Everything else at smithfield.com. Also, Vortic Watch Company, which is a small batch watch custom, uh, small batch custom watch manufacturing and vintage restoration company located in northern Colorado. They take antique American pocket watches, tournament wrist watches, their mission, preserve and enhance the legacy of manufacturing excellence in America in order to do that. They combine traditional and cutting-edge technology to create unique quality functional timepieces with exceptional value. Here's the coolest part. Each watch that they make is one of a kind. Not going to find it anywhere else. Vortic Watch founded on the motto, America wasn't assembled, it was built. Check out VorticWatch.com. 
And we thank Joe Clements for joining me last segment. Of course, make sure I get all these things out of here so we are prepared to leave. Cool J wants to know what my gross revenue... You want to know how much money I made, pal? I made $976,000 last year. How much did you make? That's why I drove an $80,000 BMW to work, and you drove a Hyundai. You see, that's who I am, Cool J, and you're nobody. Just playing in a man's game. Do you want to take their money? Are you man enough to take their money? And scene. Yes! Thank you. Right all the way back in the first hour. We talked with Meathead from AmazingRibs.com, who is selling AmazingRibs.com. It is for sale. We don't know how much it is for sale. I think there is synergistic capabilities between Smoke Barbecue Source and AmazingRibs.com. I understand there's a lot of overlapping content, but you pick which content was the best, and then you take that one, you leave the other one that's best, you merge them all into one, you redirect the Amazing Ribs to Smoke Barbecue, bang! I think it's a win. I do. I think it's a win. Consideration needs to be had. I can explain... I can build the value to either side if you're interested. Guys, Meathead, Joe, if you're interested, I can build the value. I can do that. I'm a I'm an I'm an aisle across reacher. It's not even a thing. In the second hour we talked with Joe Clements. He has founded one of the most popular barbecue and grilling websites out there as well. Smoked Barbecue Source. SmokedBBQSource.com is website. Check it out. If you want to test stuff, you can go to smoke bbq source and apply to become a tester if you're a recipe writer you can do that as well i would assume it pays like per test or something along these lines but for the testers you're getting free gear which is a benefit all in itself big show planned for you next week and i can't believe it steven reichland will be back i believe jess priles will be back for her quarterly visit amongst others so stick around for that don't forget the best of show coming up on Friday. Don't forget the ad-free podcast fees you can subscribe to over at the Patreon page or through Apple Podcasts directly. September 11th, 2001. I will never forget. And until next Tuesday at 9 p.m. Eastern, this is your program host and proud U.S. American Greg Reppy. Good night now. This is Chris Payne from Euclid, Ohio, and you are listening to Barbecue Central.